welcome to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts David and Nick. In this episode, we find out what Gotham is, check in on Saga, try to put together the puzzle, prepare for some frostbite, and more. How you doing over there? Oh, I'm doing good, David. I'm just listening to our catchy pre-show music. Our catchy what? Pre-show music. Our theme song? Also known as pre-show music, bro. <laughs> Where'd you grow up? The past? That's not, like, that's not a thing. That's not, like, we're not doing that now. We're not, like, we're not suddenly calling theme songs pre-show music. I'm defining what it is. <sighs> This is the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. I'm David, that's Nick. And this is the part of the show where we waste your time. If you make it through this, uh, congratulations, you will find out where the gold is buried. David, one question. Have you, did you post last week's episode? Yeah. Because apparently I never noticed that you titled it Tokyo No. Tokyo No! <laughs> I love it. It was, uh, it was one of those ones where I got to it a couple days later, and I'm like, I can't remember if we said anything like specifically funny probably not so i was just like uh we talked about tokyo ghost uh tokyo no and the rest is history <sighs> anyway dude what's going on in the world of not you comic books just my everyday life well, uh, comic books but with comic books things tangentially related comic books uh my writing got rejected today for a poem no, I was, uh, was a short. Well, it's I guess it's called flash fiction. If it's oh, flash fiction, like around a thousand words, which is what this was. That's and, beautiful. Uh, what was it about? Um, you know, it's a kind of like it's kind of an odd subject matter and kind of personal, and I'm not I'm not going to talk about it on on the air. So boners. It's not about it's not about boners. <laughs> no, oh, though man. I'm there. Am I, eh, you know, no, no, not about boners. Wait, so you're saying that you can submit a story that might be a little personal to a bunch of strangers to have it oh. reviewed. Oh, no, no, no. And... Here's the thing. It's not a big deal. I just, I don't like talking about my writing. Like if people. Oh, so now you're making excuses under the guise of something that's personal and hard it's... to talk about. Uh, it's like if also if people read, like if people read my stuff in front of me, it drives me insane. I can't do it. I can't sit there. I have to like go into another room. Someone's a prima donna. I'm not a, that's not that's more like neuroses. Yeah, aka a prima donna. Shut up, David. Anyway, what was your story about? <sighs> okay, so the story is about this guy and it starts out and I mean it's only like a thousand words. So it's kinda like I'm probably gonna talk about it longer than it actually is. Uh he ends up sleeping with this girl in the beginning, and then uh he goes home and revelation but it kind of hinted at pre like before that that he's not single and that uh like then he's like kind of going through this turmoil of like uh like what did that whole thing mean and like have I ever felt what I felt with that girl last night with my you know current girlfriend 
Is there something you want to talk to me about, no, David? No, it's like my the personal thing was like an excuse. Uh, there's like there's a couple lines in the story that like I'd had in my mind just kind of going for a while, uh-huh. and then like the story kind of shaped around it. I don't know. I write like a not like I'm like not super prolific. I write a bunch of shit a lot, and then every once in a while I'm like, hey, that's not half bad. So let's see like what happens. Are you gonna try and revise it and resubmit it? Uh, I mean, I, I I went and submitted it. So here's how my dumb brain works. So I got the rejection a day. I'm like, that sucks. Uh, but I'm gonna turn around and submit it to like four other places, like up my chances. And I'm going through and I'm doing that. And definitely in at least two of them, like the cover letters, I either put like the wrong name of the publication or I didn't put like my name at the end of the letter or I submitted like the wrong version of the story. So what I'm saying is I'm going to get a lot more rejection uh, before. No, at the end of the day, David, at least you're submitting. And it's I true. couldn't be more proud of you. Oh, thanks, Dad. That's not true. I'd be more proud if you actually got the stories published, so you failure at life. would I? Uh... <laughs> no, so it's David, actually not my first rejection. I've been rejected a bunch in the past for poetry. So I've been trying to reject you. And I don't know. That joke, I just never Good mind. One. I wasn't Good really one. feeling it. David, why do trailers ruin everything? Trailers ruin... Okay, so actually I need to rephrase that. Uh... The internet. The people who make trailers ruin everything. No, no, they don't. The internet ruins everything. Uh, more like sites that need clicks ruin it. So, like, the, you know, we're not going to talk about it really in the news because neither you or I watched it. Um, and that is that the final X Men Apocalypse trailer came out. And, uh, and apparently, like, it was pretty cool. People seemed to like it. Uh, I decided, like, all right, I've seen enough about this film. Like, I know I'm going to go see it. I don't really need to see much more. Uh, and then like probably within minutes of it being out, comic book resources puts out this article that is like surprise cameo in the, in, in the X-Men apocalypse trailer. And then that has the word snicked next to it. And I'm like, okay, cool. So, so surprise cameo. And then you're going to go ahead and do the most obvious thing that Wolverine does and just tell us that Wolverine is in the movie. And then like, 20 minutes after that, there's a picture of from the trailer of like a hand with Wolverine's claws popping out. It's like so so if I didn't want to know this information, I couldn't not know it apparently. And then like everybody else on the internet was like Wolverine's in the trailer. It's just like come on. Like my my friends posting about it. Okay, that's one thing, but like a news site, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It just wasn't cool. Like, if I... Because I, I knew he was probably going to be in the movie, but if I hadn't known, and then, like, I was sitting in the theater... Like, if I hadn't known for sure, 100%, and I'm sitting in the theater, and then, oh, here comes Wolverine, just, like, you know, for, like, a two-minute scene, I would have been like, that's so awesome, that's so great. But now I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be waiting for Wolverine to walk on screen, because... Mm-hmm. That's, that's the double-edged sword of the internet. Yeah. So we only have one thing we can do. Burn, destroy it burn the internet i don't know where go, to start cut, cut the cables in the ocean i'm i'm pretty sure i have to go into google and uh like hold down the power button until it turns off it's just the power button on the google building yeah. sets it all down um yeah it's obviously and and that doesn't change like I'm not going to like not see it. it doesn't like change my enjoyment but it's just something I would have gotten so much more enjoyment out of 
if I was not expecting it. And that's, that's I mean, basically at this point, like the internet's going to keep being the internet. So you'd have to go to places like it's, it's like, you now know it's not like CBR or Newsarama or any of other sites haven't pulled crap like this before. So it's like you, if you visit those sites, then you have to go in now knowing that you run the risk of having things spoiled for you. Or, you know, I even like I was scrolling and I've basically stopped watching Civil War trailers now. But there are 30 TV spots. Two spots. Good thing I don't have cable. 30. But, I mean, I do have cable. but Oh, we'll it. get into that in a minute. But you say your piece. Um. But, uh, like, there was, like, a little thumbnail image of, like, Spider-Man saluting from the movie. And I'm just, like, like, it's, like, okay, that one bit from that trailer showing that Spider-Man's, you know, here, like, I watched it. I I put myself through it. It's cool. I mean, it was going to (laughs) get, turns out I I wasn't going to be able to avoid it anyway. But uh, it's sort of, like, we get it. He's in there. He's cool. He's going to be quirky. Not, but, like, don't show anything else. Well, yeah, no, and and really, so, like, my complaining is, not really, I guess, at the internet, more at the studios. And Marvel's the worst. Like, say say more about what you were going to keep talking, and I'll, well, no, I'll complain it, about Marvel. It, so, I mean, basically, people are poo-poo heads, and <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. I just sort of, like, I feel like, you know, who are they trying to prove it to? People on that frequent sites that cater to this kind of stuff? On one hand, you're like, all right, hit your target audience, but at the same time, you want as many people as possible to see it. So, Obviously, you should be posting the the trailers and the footage or whatever that you want to use to entice people, uh, as as far as your reach can get. That being said, like how much of the movie do you really need to show? Like, let's say the first Civil War trailer, you you set up the basic premise, you show a couple cool shots, and that's it. If it takes more than that to sell the movie, then and I and I'm not saying that I you, you can't say okay, then the movie must be bad. I imagine well, Civil War is going to be pretty cool. It but does. It, why, I don't think it, I don't think that it takes more than that. I think it's just that Marvel wants you to be so excited for this movie that they're going to not let up. And part of that is like they're not just going to keep showing the same old stuff. So they feel like we got to keep showing new stuff to get people really excited. But that ends up being thirty TV spots, and in each one of those TV spots, like, well, we have to show something new. So here's more of a fight. Here's you know, now I know that Bucky and Spider Man fight. And I, I didn't, didn't know that. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I didn't want to know that, but now I do because that was in a TV spot and then it got talked about everywhere. And like, I, I guess like my frustration, as I said before, I can't really take it out on CBR or people like doing that. It's just like the movie studios are like, hey, you know what, drum up excitement. If we show and studies do show that if people know what to expect, they're going to enjoy it more. But Marvel goes too far, I think. But also, Marvel I mean, we still got to put some weight on these websites because they could just as easily have said surprise cameo in X-Men right. Apocalypse. Now, the the process of deduction would probably lead you directly to Wolverine. But right. you don't need to put Snick in the title. You don't, Or you don't need to flat out say surprise cameo, surprise, it's surprise Wolverine, Wolverine in X-Men Apocalypse final trailer. Yeah. Just like say this is the final trailer to X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, and boom, and- I click on it and then it's my choice. You put it in the title of something – like Marvel can release thirty TV spots. I mean, it's one thing if I'm watching live TV and a trailer comes on. I mean, I can also close my eyes or change the channel. But when you put it, when I should be able to scroll up and down a news site and be teased at something, and and I'm sorry, but teasing surprise cameo snick is not a tease. 
if you posted it on like the Home Goods website or Grandma's Knitting Circle website and said surprise cameo X Men Apocalypse Snick, they might go, "Huh, I don't know what that means." But if right. you post it on a comic book website and you say Snick, then you obviously know what it is, and it's not a Snickers bar. Well, you saying Snick so much makes you want to just go sit on the big orange couch and maybe watch some Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, there's there's so much that we could say about this, um, and most of it just be our venting. But there is so much good comic stuff to talk about this week. That we want to spoil for you. I feel like, I feel like we got to... To the Batmobile. Let's go. Like that, we should call ourselves like the spoilers. Let's do that. To the Batmobile. Let's go. We could call it Major Spoilers, and then I could stop writing for the Major Spoilers website because we stole their name. He hasn't posted my review yet. Um, but yeah, there's so much good comic stuff this week. Let's let's cleanse our palate of negative talk and speak first of the very uh, bittersweet ending. That is Batman 51. Yeah. We'll just go ahead and, and I think jump right into it. I think we talk a lot about Batman in this. I think we've talked about like every issue for the last, I don't know, 80, 10, 10 80, 11 issues, 87 uh, episodes of this show. Um, but this, this is definitely a big one and I, and I'm not going to apologize for talking about it so much. Cause I think in general, it's been awesome. But Nick, what are your, what are your thoughts? Uh, just for people who don't, don't know, this is the end of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's run on Batman. Now listen, David, I make a, I give Snyder a lot of flack for his overly expository, um, not fluff writing. I'm talking, but it's, it's just like I think part of it is trying to be poetic, and I'm not, and it doesn't always hit it. Or every character has a soliloquy that's like talking about Gotham is, and uh, you know, when you're in the middle of like a firefight, f that, like just shut your mouth, throw some punches, bring down the building. But in this issue, as sort of like a coda to their whole run, the, the finishing touches, as sort of like. In a lot of ways, and I feel like a lot of runs that shake up a lot of things kind of find their way back to a, a more or less the status quo by the end of it. This really was, you know, there's some com- cosmetic changes um, to the characters or to Gotham. I mean, even Alfred gets his hand back. Yeah, that um, was very interesting. Yeah, you know, and, and sometimes you kind of look back and be like, okay, why bother? I would say with the Alfred hand thing, okay, why bother? It didn't really serve. It didn't create any real obstacles other than he couldn't hold a tray very well or whatever with two hands. Um, you know, maybe it meant that it was like a metaphor that he was missing something or what? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I do. I do see that as being the biggest example of, okay, we're going to move on. So let's put all the toys back Look, in the toy. Jim box. Gordon back as commissioner is the biggest toy in the box. Yeah. 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 But anyway, um, First, uh, cool uh, looking Batmobile. I loved the uh, the Batmobile um, cloaking stuff. Yeah, that, that makes was sense. that was so great. Like, oh, there's heavy traffic. Like, here's a really inconspicuous car. Here's a light traffic. Uh, here's a little bit faster car, so it's not super weird if I'm going fast. Oh, there's no traffic. Uh, here's here's the Batmobile. Yeah, which is doesn't. I mean, it's got some batty motifs. I kind of like it. It's almost like a serpent look to it, the way the front looks. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my um, point is, um, 
I thought this was a very strong issue. It was it was light in a way. I mean, it was all Gotham is Gotham is this Gotham is that. Yeah, it's, it's all it's, great. It's one quiet I, night. I, I did like that. You know, at the end of the day, their their whole message was about Batman being about hope, and that even in the worst of times, you can find a way to rise up. And I thought that was all very well and good. Um, but I thought as like a finishing touch to sort of this era of Batman, it. It was it was nice. I guess that's the only way I kind of finished it, and I was just like, "That was nice." Yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting because when when they sold it in in the solicitations, they're like, "It's just one quiet night in Gotham," and so you think like, "Okay, so nothing big is happening," uh, but Batman will still be around, like solving little crimes. No, like really. It's one quiet night in Gotham. Nobody's doing anything big. Like when there is an oh maybe something big's happening. It's like nope, it it gets taken care of pretty fast without Batman's help. Um, and even like even the little stuff like oh you think there's going to be a mugging, but it's actually like a guy returning a woman's purse. Uh, there's people just like hanging out like because there's a big blackout. That's kind of at the core of this issue is there's this big blackout and Batman's trying to figure out what caused it. But people around the city are just actually enjoying it just having fun and he's batman's just there like that's and that's kind of what this issue comes down to is batman is the is the constant presence even in like times of peace or times of war like batman is or gotham is you always uh as as the book so directly states in that last page, which that last page is beautiful and is now the background on my phone. Uh, cause it's so great. Uh, it was, yeah, it was very nice. And yeah. It, yeah. And there's, there's not much more really to say to it. Um, I really like the page. I'm just, you know, we're both kind of flipping through as you people at home can hear. Uh, I'm at that, the double page spread where you have Batman in, uh, Arkham, maybe about maybe about to fight like five villains, and I really love uh, the Riddler right at the front, looking so uncertain about this. I don't know why, like the, just the look on that face, like it's. I, I just feel like that page was kind of like, oh, hey Capullo, you want to draw some big weird monsters one more time? All right, well here's Clayface and Killer Croc and Bane and, uh, but we're not gonna we're not gonna have any big crazy action sequences with it. Um, I like that. I don't know. Is it? Come take a look. Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't think Poison Ivy is supposed to be in Arkham right now. I kind of feel like this page think, was sort think, of like this. This issue is just kind of like in a its own little moment. Like it doesn't oh, yeah. really matter what the continuity of it is because well, she's in her own miniseries right now. Well, and I don't think Bane is either. I mean, Bane pops up in books all the time. That's true. He pops up in uh, Batman and Robin Eternal. Scarecrow, I could see being an Arkham. And the other thing I thought was interesting, so there's definitely some teases in this book. Yeah. For example, I feel like there's some, gonna... Ar- some sort of Arkham tease going on. Where I was just going to talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. The Arkham Doctor, Arkham Man, whatever his name is, mm-hmm. um, says that his focus on containment, and you always know, like, oh, that's that's nice, but yeah, they're going to break out. The Court of Owls tease with the Strigaday. Yeah. And Batman apparently impersonating a big busty older woman yeah and then you have like the penguin stuff where penguin black mask and uh king shark is that who it is yeah are like white shark white is it white you're right it's white shark shark. 
Uh, like they're planning something, but not yet, not tonight. I realize it's supposed to be black mask, but I thought he just had like a skull mask. But this guy's got like a BDSM zipper mask thing. Yeah, going on. yeah, he was in. Um... He was in the super heavy story. I don't know if they ever referred to him as Black Mask, but this issue they straight up call him Black Mask. No, they don't. Oh, he. Does. Oh, I'm, as I'm staring directly at it, it says no Black Mask. Yeah, Ask Penguin says no Black Mask. Um, and then of course you have Joker. Still not Joker, and that's probably the the biggest toy that's not back in the box, is that there is still not a Joker. And what is that going to mean? Well, they have until August for the movie to come up with their next big Joker story. If or they can let the character rest for a bit. He it's weird when you when you do think of the Joker, you don't think you think of him he doesn't have that many appearances. And I feel like when there's a period of time where he does pop up a lot, it's a lot of diminishing returns. He's really the kind of character where you don't need to prove his importance. So it's really only when like you have like a really good Joker story in you. And obviously people can debate about what constitutes a good Joker story, but then like you break him out of the box you and you say here, you don't think he has that many appearances. No, he, like he does. But I mean, as far as like villains go, like he's, I feel like, you know, Norman Osborn has probably shown up in more issues than the Joker. Yeah, because, I mean, characters like Norman Osborn, you can put him into different settings and be like, well, it'd be really interesting if he was sort of the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what I mean. It's almost yeah. like Joker's a character that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of layers to him. And that's okay. Like, like he doesn't necessarily fit in different situations. So you got to wait until, like, you found a new angle on, like, a Joker situation to sort of highlight. You know, Zack Snyder did really two Joker stories. Mm -hmm. Death of a Family and, and Endgame. Well, and then he did some stuff in Detective Comics beforehand. Like when the Joker got his face removed. No, that that wasn't Snyder. Was that not Snyder? That was the beginning of the New 52. That was Tony Daniel who was writing and drawing Detective Comics. Right. That wasn't beginning of New 52, though. Was it was. It? it was the very. It was Detective Comics number one of the New 52. Oh, it God. ends with Joker's face nailed to a wall. Oh, God, guys. That's a thing that happened. That's a thing that we did as a collective group. We allowed this. We allowed it to happen. Ugh. Uh. It was it was cool. I, I I know I definitely talked about this when um, was it uh, was it Gleason? Yeah, when Gleason uh, was stepping away from Robin, son of Batman, uh, where you know not a lot of people get an extra issue to say goodbye to the characters, mm -hmm. uh, and and Snyder and Capullo definitely found you know they found they found time in the story to do that, and that's really cool. Like, I feel like a lot of stories leading up to Rebirth are going to just kind of end. And not that Rebirth's, like, changing. Ending things. Like, ending but... things. Um, but, like, a lot of those creative teams are, are shifting. And they don't, like, have the time, like, like they do here in issue 51, to just be like, oh, here's just a, a little one-off story where we're going to summarize our feelings about the character as best we can. And, you know, let it let it just go to rest. Reflect on the past, he's on the future. And, that, and that, the other thing is, like, are some of these plot points going to get picked up in All-Star Batman? Are they are, picked up in Grayson? Like David, uh, or, I mean, Nightwing, Tom, I guess. 
Tom King or Tim Seeley or someone on the main yeah. Batman books gonna well, f- pick up on some of the stuff? Like I know Scott Snyder and Tom King talk. Yeah, I feel like the the biggest one uh, is probably the Court of Owls. Like that's the yeah. one that's the most direct. And I wonder is that going to be picked up in Nightwing because they're keeping up him being an agent of the Court of Owls, right? I I believe so. So that's probably true. We, that's where we could see the Nightwing thing explode. The the Court of Owls. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, the stuff with the crime bosses. That, I mean, that could be any detective. That could, that could be maybe. any Batman story, you know? Yeah. Oh, Black Mask or White Shark or Penguin or making some power play again. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, man. Have fun, guys. Hey, man. Don't, I you know... It, I say it with love. I say it with love, David. Stop it. They, you know, they they don't have a lot going for them, okay? <laughs> All we got is our crime empires. It's true. They don't have loving families. Just lots of paid henchmen. I wish I didn't have to pay people to love me. I mean, look at it this way. They're most likely going to get maimed or, depending on what hero finds them, killed. So they probably don't really have to pay him anyway. That is true. Uh, any final thoughts on the final issue of just Batman? No, it's funny because I feel like we don't... Like, we have some nice stuff to say and, like, just being like, oh, yeah, really great. But there's not, like, a lot here that we can really, like, pick apart. And and really dive into because there's not a bigger narrative around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice. I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss this team. I'm gonna miss this book. Uh, it will be nice to have some fresh takes on on these characters and on and on Gotham. Um, but it is it is sad. You know, I've I've been with this book for 51 issues, probably more than like any other ongoing book at either Marvel or DC. You know, I think what's nice about this is that if you hate them, then I mean, there's, there's no pleasing you. If you you hated this particular take on Batman and I wasn't always his biggest fan, but I, I understand that they were an important team. You know, they were firing on all cylinders. Um, They were important to DC. This was like DC's most consistent book. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that they're leaving. Like they could totally have done more stories. I'm sure you know Snyder is still writing Batman. That could have very Capullo could have very easily stayed on the book, and they could have kept drawing these Batman. Like also Batman could have just been more Batman, you know. And the book could have kept on going. And you know eventually, eventually, no, you know, it would probably run out of steam, or it just would be like, okay, I'm really ready for something new. I feel like I'm at this point now where it's. I can say, like, I literally read the issue and I said, that's nice. Like, I can look back. There's 51 issues of this. And it's just like, "Ah, that was nice. You know, overall, I will say, overall, that was a nice experience. Kind of reading the run. Didn't feel overstuffed. It felt like it was just ready to go. And now it has. Yeah. Whereas Dan Slott is like eating 20 colossal burgers and there's no end in sight. Oh, man. Dan, I'm, I'm like convinced that Dan Slott is not a real person anymore. <laughs> and anybody that comes in to write Spider-Man like, you're Dan Slott now. It's like, but my name is Steve. It's Dan Slott. You are not Steve Slott. Steve Slott. You are Dan Slott. Exactly. Well, there's lots of other comic booky goodness. Uh, let's talk about Saga a bit here. 
We haven't we haven't talked about Saga in a while, but issue 36 came out. I already put mine in my long box, so I'm gonna have to go off memory, which sucks. Uh, Memories suck. Yeah, but this I I, uh, I told you via text earlier that I felt like this was the first issue in a while where I I put it down. I was like, man, that was really good. And not to say that issues have been bad, they've just kind of all been plodding along, I felt like, leading to this issue, um, which wasn't like a big, uh, like, I don't... It, and there wasn't a huge climax right, to it. Right, this, this is not like a chapter marker. I guess it kind of could be, but it's not like, it didn't have like a big bombastic like finale feel to it, um, but... I really, really liked this issue uh, with Marco and Elena getting Hazel out of the prison. Uh, what, what were your What were your thoughts? You know, now that I'm kind of flipping through it again after reading it, and on one hand, like it's it's okay that it wasn't bombastic. That you know, I obviously it's an ongoing story. You can't like kill someone every arc or whatever. I don't think like anyone died. You know, and, and, and no. on one hand, like, you know, there was the tease that the will becomes like a huge monster. And you can see bits and pieces of that through this arc where you're like, is he going to kill like the two reporter guys? And he literally you becomes know, huge. Was he going to kill Gus or whatever? Oh, um, and he kind of like, you know, in a moment where they could have solidified that like the will is on this path of no return. Mm -hmm. As far as Hazel's concerned, he he doesn't pull the trigger, so to speak. So, I mean, I don't know if I want to say it's a missed opportunity. I like the characters that he could have potentially killed, so I don't think I necessarily wanted them to die. But I'm just saying from a writing standpoint, that would have been a good moment to... I got really worried for Gus in this issue. Yeah. Uh, he, had his, he had his badass little moment with the axe there. No, that it, was it, super great. It's like all the scenes individually were really good. And it's like, it's like, I don't really know where I'm trying to go with my thoughts, but it's like, it was okay that it was a quiet issue, but also felt like with everything that was constantly leading to this moment, leading to this moment, it almost felt, basically it felt like Marco just kind of made it inside the prison and got his daughter back and then left. And I, and I kind of like that. And I, I wouldn't, I would argue that it wasn't necessarily a quiet issue. Some, some major plot points did definitely well, happen. Not, not quiet in but the sense that was, nothing happened. It's not like action filled. And, it, yeah, and again, not action, just on like, whoa, look at these people punch each other. It was yeah. just sort of like there weren't a whole lot of obstacles. Like, yes, there was like the, the Gus versus the Will thing, you know, which could have gone completely different. Could have south. Um, I did like thought the interest, like uh, having the brand show back up. Yeah. It's like that now he's like got this sort of the brand versus the stock. Um, it's kind of uh, like battling. There's just really great stuff going on there with the Will. And you get, like, they're, they're not really like the angel and the devil. I, I mean, the brand is trying to get him to go do better stuff. And did you totally read into it that they were like into each other? His brother and sister? Yeah. Uh... Like, as Nick reads Not the people. way you did me. It was, it was very ambiguous. Because, I, I mean, I guess there like there is, like, the familial ties where when he finds out that the brand died, he, like, really goes crazy. Yeah. Uh, also, I think I think the 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 brand was telling him to go see Gwendolyn. Who that's who I thought, too, yeah. That's him, uh, Gwendolyn and Sophie. Yeah. Yeah, because this, like, this is even, a, a, like, a couple years since we last saw them. 
if a few. I mean, the yeah, Hazel, Hazel was a baby, and now she's oh, yeah, she was probably like three or four. She was like two. Was she? Yeah. She was like walking around and going to like dance lessons and talking and stuff. Oh, okay. Well, so she's like three or four, probably not five at this point. Um, I don't know. She could be close to close to five. Uh, okay, so maybe between four and five. Okay, but either way, it's been like I would say it's been about two to three years. And I okay, so the ending. Let's let's jump to the ending there. Yeah, the, the, ending. the revelation that Alana is pregnant again. Yes. And it's sort of one of those things. It was really one of those endings where it's just like so much of this book is about Hazel, and and, and you know her being such the centerpiece and the, the 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 center of the story and all that. And like she's the one telling it. Is the idea is like, oh yeah, she's probably you know she's going to be an only child or whatever. Like when would they have time to make a baby? Right. And they found the time. Yeah. I, up to this point, Hazel has never talked about having a brother or sister, uh, and like not that she's ever said like I was their only child um and maybe something really tragic happens to this baby which would totally suck uh but I just yeah you just weren't expecting it and it's such like a a small surprise and I feel like with this book with so much crazy stuff happening when you have something as mundane as oh she's pregnant like that just throws like a like throws everything for a loop like you can't raise a child in your condition you just got the other one back uh, I, yeah, this, I love Saga, and over the last ten or so issues, things were not going downhill, they were just kind of plateauing, mm -hmm. and for some reason, like, this issue, and that, like, revelation, and the way that it was all done, just was this, like, big upswing for me, um, where I, I had that emotional reaction to that revelation that she's pregnant that I've had to so many other moments in this book that I haven't had in a while, which is part of probably the reason why I liked it so much. It's like, oh, it's making me feel things in my cold, dead heart. The, what's, what's the name of the, um, the horned woman that uh, punches Alana? Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's, all, it's a man. Horn. No, it's a, it's a woman. Because they're you in know, a woman's detention center. Do you not remember the shower scene where she has a penis? Is she transgender? Yes. Okay. Though what exactly, I mean, they're alien race. What exactly that looks like could be kind of hard to say. Um, but um, either way. I, I was going with a, a she, but I guess it's a he, she. Well, I, think, I, I think, I believe it's, I mean, I would think it was a she. I don't I'd have to go back to depicted, that issue. I mean, she's depicted as having a very feminine right, shape. Right, right. And I think that's on purpose. Penis, so yeah. More, more female than male. But um Either way, my my point is like, she, she, apparently she's got like this very strong sense of smell, mm -hmm. you know. Which, if I, if, as far as I can tell, was only established in this issue, which is fine. That's that's not a big deal. Right. I feel like her her get, making it to the ship just to sniff the uh, and find it and can smell that Alana's pregnant was just like that's gonna be a really convenient way to find out. Yeah, I'll be very curious what part. Um, she's going to play in this. Yeah. I'm also, so I'm just looking at a list of Saga characters on Wikipedia. Uh, Gus, first appearance, chapter 12, first named, chapter 24. So there was a dozen issues between when he was first appeared and when he was first named. I bet it was supposed to be kind of a one-off character. And, 
Then they bring him back. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, actually, uh, we have more to do with him. Um, I'm also curious what's going to happen with Prince Prince Robot and then his son. And I think I just need to go and, like, read the first 36 issues again. Holy crap, the stock was killed in Chapter 5. What... What did you think of, like, that moment where Alana's, um, or not Alana, uh, Marco's mother stays behind? Um, obviously she's going to come back at some point. I don't know point. she is. Well, she, they'll, depending on how long the series runs for, like, she'll, even, however brief her return might be, she one, will come back. One issue she's, beyond The Walking Dead. Um, but... What am I trying to say? But I mean, it also felt like they're, they're obviously juggling a lot of plots. So it almost felt like a creative decision that like he found a, a point where he could take her off the table for a bit uh, and maybe not make her like, she won't have any role in this upcoming, the next six issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, she could always come back in afterwards because the vibe I get from some of Hazel's dialogue is that, that her grandmother plays an important role in her life. So she must come back in at some point. Yeah. Uh, I just, I thought it was actually like a, a very sweet moment. Um, and just, I don't know. It was a very interesting turn for the character to be like, you know, cause she's, she's lost so much. She lost her husband and then she lost, um, I can't remember. Os- the writer. Her Oswald lover. Heist. Yeah. Uh, were they actual lovers or was it just implied that they were into each other? At the very least, they were into each other. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, like, then he died, and, like, I don't know, her life was all thrown for a loop, and, and I can hear she has some sort of, like, peace and, and familiarity. I don't know. I thought it was it was a it was interesting. moment. Yeah. It's, I, I think I'm going to make it a point to go back and reread Saga. I, I mean, I it's the only book that I pick up the single issues and the trade paperbacks. Yeah, I have the. I mean, I own the first two volumes, and then I started collecting the single issues, and then on um, Humble Bundle, I have the first the eighteen issues, like the that big oversized the. Oh, because they mentioned like this because eighteen plus eighteen, this this is like the 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 end of book two. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So I mean, there'll be another. 18 issue compendium coming out soon. Yeah, I have the first three volumes. And it's also one of those books that one day I know I'm going to be talking to someone about comics and I'm going to be like, oh, check out Saga. And then uh, and then hand them that. Let's see, mm-hmm. Saga Volume 4. I might or might not be on Amazon right now seeing how much it would cost to buy it. <laughs> very tempting. Very, very tempting. Uh, volume six coming out July fifth. Kids, be on the lookout. Oh, Nick, any other thoughts on Saga before we move forward? It was Sagalicious. Uh, no, it was good. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts, David? I I can't even speak right now. Why? Because you called it Sagalicious. Part of you likes it. No. Part, part of you does. No part of me likes it. No. Does. No disassemble number five. Um. Anyway. 
uh, let's see, other comic books that came out today. David, uh, was this Old Man Logan number five the end of the first arc? No. Old Man Logan number four was the end of the first arc, and let me talk about that for just a moment here. Take time. I was really invested in those first two issues of Old Man Logan. I thought they were super great. Uh, the first issue was really interesting and, and gave us a very interesting character, and it was very brutal experiencing this the bright, colorful world of Marvel. Um, issue two kind of upped things with the fight against the Hulk. It was really super cool. Uh, it was like pure like superhero comic. And mm -hmm. issue three uh, was um, Hawkeye and, well, uh, Katie, Katie Hawkeye and... Uh, and Logan teaming up. And it was okay. It was fine. Issue four. The whole point of issue four. Was that Logan discovers. That uh, this world is not his own. Despite the fact that they like tricked us. With having uh, Jane. Jane uh, Four Thor. Or uh, Thorster is what I was going to call her. Jane Thorster. Uh, and. And Sam Wilson. Captain America being shown as being dead in the villain uprising. But it's not the same timeline because the Logan of this timeline is dead and old man Logan does not remember ever being dead. Uh, and so he finds out cause they have a weird fricking shrine with Logan's body. Uh, oh, the adamantium body. Yeah. It's like, it's on a pedestal. It's really freaking weird. Uh, and he discovers his information and he's like, no, this isn't my timeline. I'm wasting my life. And then he wanders out into the wilderness and to waste his life. And gets picked up, uh, and this and that book leads immediately into Extraordinary X-Men. And as somebody who had no intention of reading Extraordinary X-Men, and I still have no intention of it, I was very disappointed that a story that I was super invested in ended up just being a prologue for a book I'm not going to read. Uh, well, I can tell you as someone who's been reading Extraordinary X-Men, though I don't think I've ever really brought it up on the show, um, you're not missing much in the sense that Old Man Logan like has a part, like he's playing with the team and all that, but I don't think anything quintessential to his character other than, hey, I'm part of an X-Men team, has really happened. Well, yeah, and that is what is frustrating about this, is they give us a really interesting story. Uh, really interesting stuff's happening, and then just all of a sudden they're like, but none of that really matters because he's going to go be an X-Men now. And this issue picks up after an undetermined amount of time of him being with the X-Men. So mm -hmm. that story, like I thought was, was still pretty strong, was not going anywhere. And that sucks. Uh, that being said, Lemire and his, and his team, you know, Sorrentino and Maiolo, uh, still have enough credibility with me that I, I, I'm going to stay on this book for a time. Uh, this issue picks up and he just is suddenly like, oh, hey, I've got to go do Logan things for a while. And Storm is like, okay, but if you could come back sometime because I'm apparently not very competent at running the X-Men, that would be super great. And he's like, okay. Thanks. And he goes up north into like super northern Canada and it turns out the whole reason he's there is because uh, his wife in the future, Maureen, is from there and apparently had some really messed up stuff happen to her in the past. So he is there to 
prevent that stuff from happening to give her a happy ending. Uh, but of course, the end of the book, there's some people who show up in town looking for Logan. Hmm. All in all, a fine issue, uh, but it did feel a bit by the numbers mm-hmm. in a lot of respect. Like, here's everything we want to set up. And so, bop, 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 bop. Just like going down the list, going to check it all off. And that's okay. It's 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 well written. Uh, and, and like the art is good, but it's not as creative as it has been in the past as far as mm-hmm. like panel layouts and stuff like that. Uh, so this is, you know, this is a, a book that's going to read really good in trade, uh, when the full thing is done, but with my disappointment of the last issue and then picking this up, it's just like, no, mm, okay. All right. Like I'll, I, I'll stick around, but I mean, you're going to have to really razzle dazzle me here, guys. Um, razzle dazzle. I did not know that X, about the whole X Haven thing, uh, and I, I like try to look up pictures of it, and it looks like pretty cool. But this is like one of the only times where uh, Sorrentino and Maiolo's like aesthetic doesn't really work because they show the X Haven, and it's really like brown and dingy. Uh, and from what I can tell, like the X Haven doesn't look like a, a turd, uh, just you know, kind of in its composition, and that like. Like the rest of the book, it's they all do fine. Um, you know, they're they're very consistent in their work, and so it's it's all very good, even when it's not like amazing standout stuff. Like I'm gonna show you, Nick, what the X Haven looks like. Yeah, you just see like yeah. like the brown and reds don't really work in this it's- scenario. So it's basically the the same school as it was in Wolverine the X-Men, but plopped into uh, hell. Uh, it's in the limbo dimension. Okay, thank I'm you sorry, very much. sorry. The limbo dimension. But like, yeah, that like opening scene is like all like brown and red. And when you have like the other, you know, mutants and ex-students walking around, like you have a chance for some really cool, colorful moments. But they just like they they. That was odd. They don't. They don't do it. Um, all in all, a solid, like a solid, well put together issue. There's really not like a lot bad to say about it, but mm, nothing was really standing out to me in big ways. Mm-hmm. They are kind of beginning to explore more of the wasteland and go more into Old Man Logan's story, uh, like before all the the stuff with the Hulk and all that, and. I'll be very interested to see how that plays out. That's actually really cool. Uh, so, on on that way, like that's where the book is really on the up. But everything else is just okay. What happened in Karnak, number three? Well, David, in Karnak number three, by Warren Ellis and Roland Bosch, Karnak goes crazy. So. Karnak is an interesting book. It's kind of like if you liked what Warren Ellis did on Moon Knight, but kind of, but instead of working with a character where like, I mean, in a sense he's reinventing Karnak, but Karnak is a little bit more of a blank slate than Moon Knight. You know, Karnak, this is like Karnak's first reinvention, whereas because, Moon Knight's been reinvented a hundred times. Because some people know Moon Knight and everybody's like, who the crap is Karnak? Karnak, 
so he's basically he's he's Karnak. Um, oh, actually, I think there's a great line that kind of sums it all up. Um, oh, so uh, in the, this is the very last page of the issue. Uh, Karnak has just so the, the, they're going to this, this this temple called the the Church of a Single Shadow or something like that. Ooh, I like that name. And uh, all like the members of the church who are um, he's basically hunting down a, a new inhuman boy who. Um, has basically the power to, I, I guess in a sense it's to warp reality, but basically uh, if he, he basically kind of warps in a way where like, if you believe that you can sprout wings out of your ass, then like you're going to sprout wings I out of your ass. I do believe I can do that. Oh, Dave, what oh, are those? Uh, what's happening? <laughs> um, so, they, I mean, they, they haven't revealed all their cards yet. So they, the Karnak's been working with Phil Coulson and shield. Um, to kind of resolve this issue because the, the parents of the boy want their son back. And so they make it to this temple and all these people come out of the temple and they're all like shooting lasers out of their mouths at him. Obviously. And, he, and he's like, let me listen to him a little bit longer. And then he comes up with a counter frequency and all of their heads blow up. Awesome. Um, and then Phil Coulson is like, what did you do? And Karnak says, even the transmission of sound has a flaw, a frequency that will disrupt their frequency. All I needed to do was find the sound that broke the song. And then Phil Coulson, all like bug-eyed out of his mind, is just like, are you Satan? And Karnak says, Satan was just a story. I am Karnak. That is so Warren Ellis. It's just, I mean, that's just the, the, the comic in a nutshell. He's in a coffee shop in the beginning and has a metaphysical conversation with a barista uh, before being picked up by S.H.I.E.L.D. And just like I, I kind of texted to, I'm not like I am by no means saying that this is Warren Ellis phoning it in, but it's literally like Warren Ellis sort of being like, people want more of what I did on Moon Knight. Here's kind of more of what I did on Moon Knight, but with Karnak. Like it's he's it's, it's a, like this book. I'm not saying it's just a paycheck to him, but it's like it's a paycheck to him. Like he doesn't need to write for Marvel. He kind of comes in when he feels inspired and will tackle a Marvel character for a few issues. It's, it's just literally like oh he's a a mad monk that finds the flaw in everything. And he's also inhuman. So here's all these other avenues I can explore. I'm just going to run with that and just tell something that's really, really crazy. But because it's Warren Ellis, it works. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. Also one thing to keep in note is that the original artist that was solicited for this series was Gerardo Zaffino, but I guess some personal issues came up and, um, he unfortunately had to leave the book. Um, so Roland Bosch, who um, is that I think first came... Is that why there's been some delays with the book? That's why the book's been... See, I mean, the first issue came out in November, and this is issue three in April. Yeah. So there was some mad delays, bro. But um, Roland Bosch comes on. Roland Bosch, I think, came to people's view when he was doing Ghost Rider with Jason Aaron. Uh, he's also done some other miniseries recently, like the Winter Soldier, the Bitter March, and the Hail Hydra. Mm -hmm. uh, and he also did some work with Rick Remender on Punisher. So expect him to work on a Rick Remender creator-owned book at some point in the future. Um, and uh, he comes on, and I think he's, you know, I, I did like what Gerard oh, Zafino was doing, but I I really like what Roland Bosch is, is doing around here. Um, you know, the artwork kind of keeps in line with what Gerard, Gerardo was was attempting. He's really good with Karnak himself. Like, there's one panel, a close-up of Karnak's face that's really well drawn. And then that last panel of, of Karnak's face, I'll show you. 
Uh, I can't see what I'm doing. Um, Ooh, I like that. Like, he just hits the nail on the head. So he, I think he's definitely got an affinity for this character, and I believe he's the artist for however long this book is going on for. So I am totally cool with that. Plus, the book's got covers by uh, David Aya from Hawkeye and Iron Fist fame. And I mean, this one's a kind. I mean, this one's really cool and all that. Showing like the different like body points that you can like kill someone or whatever, mm-hmm. and all that. But I mean, just like with his Scarlet Witch covers and these Karnak covers, like he just does really nice covers. Cool. So yeah, Karnak. Uh, I'm definitely still on board for this book. It's doing a lot of interesting stuff, and I think now that it's kind of back on a schedule, um, I'm very excited to see where it goes. Very cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a book that I remember before it came out. I was like, more Warren Ellis stuff. Uh, and then I didn't read it. So that's my great story for that, because I'm still waiting on the next issue of Trees to never come out. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Warren Ellis. I'm the last person reading it, and I guess it's not enough. Oh, well. As we talked it's about last not week. Enough. As we talked about oh, last enough. week, the, the numbers are sometimes... A tough game. Tough game to crack. A numbers game. Well, I don't know uh, if there's any other comic stuff that you want to talk about before we move on. I think I'm good. All right, all right. Uh, Batman The Dark Knight 3, number four, did come out. And I thought it was actually, uh, not not to go into it, I think it was the probably the best issue we've gotten so far of the story. Uh, and I'm very curious to see what happens next. That's all I'm going to say. That's it, people. Nothing. Nothing more. You know who does have an opinion on it, though? Who? Well, it's actually a a few people, and they really want to share it with us. It's, uh... Spider-Man and his amazing friends! Uh, But they're not going to stick around long enough to to share their thoughts. They're just going to stick around long enough to drop off the news and go. Uh, One thing we don't have listed here in the news, but I feel like... Uh, I don't even really know how to mention it now that I've brought it up. It's super awkward. Uh, But as some people are probably aware, there is some uh, stuff going on at DC Comics right now um, where they're... uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Ed... What's it for? Eddie Berganza. Eddie Berganza. Uh, There have been some allegations that he uh, did some sexual harassment back in the day and uh and we don't know uh, you know from the, from the stories we've heard there definitely is truth to the claims uh we don't know what's going to happen uh or why he he definitely was demoted but we don't know why he was not fired uh it definitely is a strange situation but there's not much more you and I can add to the conversation at this time just kind of felt like at least we should mention it uh before we go ahead and dive into other stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's always tough to comment on this stuff because I, I definitely, you know, if he was exhibiting these behaviors and if he's maybe even still exhibiting them to a certain extent, and, either and sort hard, of directly or... That's hard to say because the reports are from a few years ago um, and there was an official investigation that was launched... Um, in DC, why, what the conclusion of that investigation was and why he was demoted and not fired is probably going to come to light at some point over the next 
month or so. DC has not yet commented on all of this, as they're probably getting their ducks in a row. But, yeah, it's very curious. I mean, if they even do comment publicly yeah, about it. I think they have to. I don't know. I mean, it's one thing if it was, like, say, a smaller publisher, like maybe Image or, or uh, Dark Horse or something, but because DC is part of this major conglomerate, I'm... I mean, I must. I suppose companies do, but I feel like it's the kind of thing where they will deal with it internally. But they, you know, like there'll probably be a report like Eddie Braganza has left the company or whatever, or but not like they might not come out with a statement and just being like because of recent information that's come to light or blah 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 that like you know we're gonna do this you know and we're super sorry and da da da. I mean, it'd be I guess it'd be nice if they did, but I think it's more important that any victims of his you know, you know, or maybe reached out to, or this is why it's like really tough to talk yeah. about because like it's, it's super serious shit and it's like, it's beyond comic books, you know, right. uh, it's about one man's behavior and the, the negative consequences it has for others. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just hope that the proper decisions are made and that people feel satisfactory about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, and, it, and one thing I, I, I did like is I was reading a couple of different articles and think pieces on it uh, and people basically saying, like, this is not just one event that's happening at DC Comics. You know, sexual harassment is something that is happening in businesses all over the country, all over the world. Uh, and it's not just, you know, when, when reports break that, oh, it's happening like at Google well, it's probably also happening at Amazon. It's just that nobody at Amazon has come forward with it yet. So what I'm saying is like, oh yeah, it's happening at DC and that sucks. It's like, it's probably also happening somewhere over at Marvel or probably, or maybe somewhere over at image. And just hopefully, uh, this, you know, now in the, in the comics community, there can be a, an example and precedent set that if, if that's true, if these things are happening that, you know, victims feel like they are able to come forward and will not get blacklisted or, uh, or threatened in any sort of way. Mm-hmm. And we know this is all very heavy stuff. So, uh, we just, we, we won't go on it too much more or at all. <laughs> uh, Nick. Yes. Um, in, News that David thinks does not apply. It's not news for what we do. Alicia Vikander, a recent Oscar winner for the Danish Girl, has been cast as Tomb Raider, a video game character that has been prominently featured in comic books. Wow! At two major publishers. Hold on, this is this is your story, and you're going to call her Tomb Raider. You're not going to call her Lara Croft. You're going to call her Tomb Raider. Yes, she's been cast as the Tomb Raider, who is also known as Lara Croft. Dude, have you been playing the latest Tomb Raider game? I mean, not the latest one, but the one that was no. Yeah, I've been yeah no, I beat it. So I, I'm very I beat near it and dear ago. to the story right now. I beat it months ago. Whatever. Anyway, the the original new one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, because the other one's not on PlayStation Four yet. Uh, oh, did I tell you that I made it past the bug area, the the oh, no, corrupting you didn't, you didn't. file area? No, no. How did you? Did. How did you get I, past it? I don't it? know what I did. I didn't do anything different. If, and if anything, like the place where I died, I feel it's like I'm trying to like look back in my memory banks, and I'm like, I didn't. I feel like I didn't even go there, but I know I had to have because it's the only path to get to save Alex. 
Um, Maybe they patched it. I don't know. I don't think they, I didn't see anything about there being an update for the game, and it's been going on for over two years. Uh, PS, um, PS4, if you put it into rest mode, will sometimes update when it's on rest. No, it does. I know that, but I, I, I didn't see. Like, usually, it gives you notifications saying like such and such has been updated, and I haven't seen that for Tomb Raider. True. Either way, and maybe it's just because like it's some weird, complex, like buggy programming thing where because I didn't. Um, because like with this new file, one of the things I read, and I actually technically read it wrong, was that they they had said that apparently the issue that other people were experiencing was that if you fast travel to Shipwreck Beach, that's when the game would crash. Oh. So they're saying complete Shipwreck Beach 100% before moving on. So you don't have to tra- fast travel. You never have to go back there. Huh. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, but for some reason, I read it as complete every area 100%, which I guess still works because that way I don't have to fast travel somewhere by the time I get to Shipwreck Beach and try and work my way back and forth. So I literally completed every area of the game up until Shipwreck Beach at 100%, which is not the kind of thing I usually spend my time doing playing video games, but I also didn't think I'd be as into video games lately as I have been. So Nerd. Anyway, I've been very invested in Tomb Raider, having almost basically pay, played it twice. Um but uh, as far as looks go, because Laura Croft is weird, like she's technically just like a brunette white woman, but she's got like a look. And as far as like the new looking Laura Croft from the new games, uh, Alicia Vikander, um, I think it is similar in the sense like because I know Daisy Ridley was kind of up for the role as well. Um, I can kind of see who they're going for here. And I think that as far as the, the new Tomb Raider look goes, like uh, Vikander definitely fits it. In other news, Jeff in, Smith... In actual uh, comic news. Jeff Smith announces a new Bone book to commemorate the anniversary. Well, and... yeah. It has been 25 years since Bones began, and more than a decade since the last book was published. Has it really been a decade? Are we that old? Yes. Uh, but Bone Coda, a new graphic novel by Jeff Smith, arrives this July. Uh, Nick, I know you were a, a a Bone fan. I was. I read the whole book. I've got like the complete, at least black and white edition on my comic shelf. And as well as books that, I mean, I want to go back and read it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's just one of those books that like, it's, it's, I think Unilater, like it's amazing. It's good. It's like, it's not something that's going to change with age, but I, I definitely feel like it's the kind of book I'm holding on to. And when I eventually have kids, like I will be reading Bone with them. Yeah. Guaranteed. I still have not read Bone. Uh, I know that I should, and I really want to. I still have to finish Razzle. Um, but yeah, this is this is really cool. Like I, I, I again, I haven't read Bone, but I heard this news. I'm like, that's really awesome. Like I'm like kind of excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I I know for for people, and this is even one of those books that people who don't really I mean, it's not very widespread, but I know there are people who don't know comics who know Bone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I hope that it's every. I hope Jeff Smith, uh, you know, hopefully he has discovered a story that he wants to tell, and that's why he's coming back to it, and not because uh, Jeff Smith needs another swimming pool in the shape of bone. I imagine he's got six. Mm-hmm. And other news. Uh, Marvel has been releasing a bunch of cryptic teasers because that's what Marvel does these days. Uh, but that are asking us, where is Mosaic? 
or what is this? I don't know, though. The website's not loading for me currently. Uh, they have been puzzle pieces featuring various characters of the Marvel Universe. I haven't actually seen them, so while this slowly loads for me, Nick, why don't you tell us what's going on? Um, I think the impression is that it's a Jessica Jones-related teaser. Um, beyond that, I really don't know. It's definitely something that's at the heart of the Marvel Universe, so to speak. Um, definitely seems street level. It's got a, um, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, it's just got a Jessica Jonesy type vibe. I want to say some, oh yeah, it is from Stuart Amonin. I'd be kind of surprised if Stuart Amonin came back and did a Jessica Jones book, but I mean, I think, I don't think he's leaving Marvel anytime soon. And I, I know like he's just doing Empress with Mark Millar right now, but, um, I definitely think, I guess we'll find out once you get part of a woman's face. So it's definitely related to a woman. Mm-hmm. They almost look bald though. The people? Could, no. Well, the, the, the oh, woman, the cause like you get the, you get the back of her head and it oh, looks yeah. too smooth for, yeah. Now that I'm seeing it for hair. Well, we only have one piece left. It appears. Iron Man's in there. Miles is in there. Uh, Spider-Man. Like, it's like Peter's in there. There's an older guy in there. I uh, think I see Luke Cage. Well, yeah, and the in this, well, this woman uh, does not look white. First of all, I think she's white. Yeah, doesn't look like it. To you me. look at the front of her face. I think it's a, it's it's too bleached is the wrong word. The way it's just like that really intense white look. I don't. I think it's assuming white. I really think it's it's very David Mack esque. Mm-hmm. So my my vibe is. Jessica Jones. I'm 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 really done with Marvel's teasers. Well, they get people talking. They did exactly what they wanted them to do. We are talking about it. I know, but I feel like they're sending out all these teasers, and then like the events don't happen before the next teasers come out. I don't know. It's just like it's like too much. It's like you can't really keep up the hype of of Dead No More when you're also throwing around Mosaic. Well, it's for different books. Like, not everyone's hyped for Dead No More, and this could get other people hyped for something that may or may not be Jessica Jones-esque. I don't know. A lot of people are thinking this has this is related to the new potential uh, young black female Iron Man character that might be cropping up soon. Well, that has shown up, but has yet to play an active role in a story yet. Oh, so she could be black in that picture, is what you're saying. So some people think it could be black. Um... Uh, Black Mary Jane Watson. Black Mary Jane Watson. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, my gut is still thinking Jessica Jones. I know that Bendis has unofficially announced that Jessica Jones is coming back sometime after Civil War. So I feel like this is a book that could it could be teasing a post Civil War landscape. I mean, Marvel is kind of at that point now where we're at almost to May, where they would be teasing stuff that's coming out for the last half of the year. Very true. So. Very true. This is also the fourth time that Nick has thrown his pen across the room. Yep. Keep going. Also announced today was that Joshua Williamson has signed an exclusive contract with DC Comics. Uh, and part of that is an upcoming Vertigo book called Frostbite. A uh, uh, miniseries. Miniseries. But... Well, it's the, a book called Frostbite with, art, with, with Jason, by Jason Sean Alexander. Sean Alexander. I was getting there. Continue. 
who's also been working on his own image book. So I think my big question for this is, uh, how does his exclu exclusive contract impact his image work? I know he has, I think he's doing Nailbiter, if that's his book. And then, of course, he's doing um, Birthright, which is a book I really enjoy. So mm. just curious. Uh, yeah, he hasn't said uh, where, I mean, is he, is he still working on Birthright and Nailbiter? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I, at least Birthright. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about Nailbiter, but I think he is working on both. I mean, he does seem very excited. Uh, he did call it a dream come true. Uh, so it'll be it'll be very interesting. Maybe he's you know he's he has a, a comfortable place to end those books. Uh, this is cool, especially given our talking last week about Vertigo and and what place does Vertigo have uh, in in all of this. To have them say, hey, we're not giving up on Vertigo. And in fact, here's a brand new story that's coming out. Mm -hmm. That's uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, uh, I mean, this is cool stuff. I can't think. I mean, he's also going to be writing The Flash. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons I'm, I'm actually kind of stoked for The Flash. Yeah. The, the upcoming Flash run. I don't know if I've ever read anything by Josh Williamson. I Honestly, I mean, you'd probably get into at least birthright i think you'd find really interesting basically like what if yeah, what if you go to narnia and then you come back and narnia follows you and also it's not as nice as narnia and narnia uh, wasn't that nice to begin with well i was with you when it started but the further you went down that analogy so the whole book is about like a young boy who gets transported to a magical realm and oh i think we've know, talked about this book yeah i've i'm sure i've recommended it so he gets transported to the magical realm and then like a year passed and like his family gets fractured as a result because they think that maybe, but they can't prove it, that his father may have killed him. Uh, yeah. um, and then just as like things get seem dire, he returns to the our world, but he's like a full grown adult and he's like a freaking Conan-esque beast man. Yeah. Um, and then just shit goes, gets crazier I from mean, there. Yeah, this will be interesting because uh, they, I mean, July 13th, Birthright 17 is coming out. So maybe that story's about to end or maybe I don't he's think so. But other writers have had off. exclusive deals where they've been able to keep uh, at least whatever current Maybe I mean maybe it's and I'll have to read the full press release. It might be going forward he's exclusive but his work, you know, there continues. Mm. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm mhm. 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 Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You got a lot of you got a lot of thoughts there with the uh huh and the mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's very insightful stuff. Thank you for everything you're adding <laughs> to the conversation. Um, and other news: the Deadpool two team is seeking a physically imposing person for Cable. I don't think we mentioned that uh, he or that 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 Ryan Reynolds and uh, the director and every like pretty much everybody so far has been like, yeah, we're coming back. We're going to do number two, which I don't think anybody had, uh, um, ideas. okay. Sorry. I just was looking up on Twitter. Uh, Joshua Williamson said, even with the new DC deal, birthright and nail biter will continue. So no, they are not ending. There you go, folks. Yep. And apparently it's been signed for a while. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Oh Yeah. So who do you uh, who do you see being in the role of Cable? I honestly uh, don't know. Besides, like Kira Knightley, who might be the perfect <laughs> fit for the 
<laughs> for the the book. No, but in all honesty, I I don't know. Um, like obviously they've got like the Stephen Lane guy would be interested, but like I'm trying, uh, trying to think of an uh, like a if you're talking physically imposing. Like I mean, obviously you're not going to get Lightfield big like as he's actually depicted in the comics, but I mean, how big can you really go where you where you kind of like you get the size of the person, but you don't actually get the acting chops. I'm not saying the cat cables like uh, Dwayne super the Rock, late or anything. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, I love the Rock. He is the best. Absolutely. Uh, I still am in the boat of John Hamm. Um, you know, I don't know how physically imposing he is. Maybe if you put on uh, some muscle mass and man, googling John Hamm and then looking at a million pictures of his face will really make you confused. So I'm just gonna go ahead and close that window for now. Uh, but we will see who gets cast. Uh, would did they? I I think they already set a release date for Daredevil. The dead Daredevil. Daredevil, Daredevil to Darepool to. Ooh, has that ever been a thing? Darepool. Yeah. It should be. Should be a thing. I'm gonna go ahead and write that on this notepad right here. Dare to pool. Darepool. When Marvel Comics eventually is like, ah, we're completely out of ideas. Start mashing up all of our heroes. We'll have an amalgam event with ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. They could totally... That, I feel like they haven't done an event where, like, two heroes have been combined. Sell the toys. Uh, last couple bits of news. These ones aren't necessarily as big. The R-rated Batman v Superman cut will most likely be over three hours long. I think we already all knew this, as you and I were saying kind of pre-show. They'd already said that the additional footage is uh, over 30 minutes, and the movie itself was already two and a half hours. And uh, more Wonder Woman Earth 1 is on the way. On the shway. Exciting for me, because you still haven't read Volume 1. I'm getting to it. Uh, but Morrison uh, said that he is currently writing the second book, and he said that Queen Hippolyta is his favorite character so far. He said, I'm into the second book, and she's the one I'm more interested in. Uh, so we shall see what comes from that. Um, oh. Oh, interesting kind of little bit from Grant Morrison. I actually don't have any dream projects now i've done all the characters that intrigued me apart from wonder woman this series really got me excited it's a whole new storytelling method and a new way of thinking uh which is really cool and makes me super envious of the guy not that i you know wasn't already um but man it'd be weird getting to that place where i've i've worked on everybody i want to work on he's i mean he really has like worked on everyone yeah. I I mean Batman, Superman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Justice League, Justice League, uh the X-Men. Good. I mean, it'd be cool if he kind of went over to Marvel and told you know he told Dan Slott to get off his throne. Yeah. Did, you know, whether he did Spider-Man or the Avengers or something. But, I mean, I feel like if he did the Avengers, then he's basically kind of retreading similar right. you know, things he did with Justice League. I... And he, he, 
I think the only character you could really maybe tell something unique with that isn't just sort of like the epic myths of mod or modern myths or whatever. Oops, that was me again. Would be like a character like Spider-Man. Yeah, I would like to see him take on. A, I was going to say like Miles Morales actually would be a very interesting ground level hero to see him uh, take on. And Can you I, imagine being like Bendis stepping away from a character that he created? Because well, yeah, if Grant Morrison came in, he would let it happen. He probably would. Plus, it would be a battle of the balds, and uh, Grant Morrison wins every time. I know, like you're kind of saying, like the mythology, you wouldn't be super into, but I think he could write a really insane, awesome Moon Knight book. Oh, no! I, I'm not saying I'm not interested in it. I'm just saying, like from his perspective, is he just retreading existing ground? Yeah, you know what I mean. That's, no, but no, I mean, no, at the same true. time. Like Grant Morrison Moon Knight book could be awesome. I think a lot of people like his modern work is very, and that happens when you've been writing for multiple decades. But like when you go back and some of the stuff that really set him up and set him apart from like his his uh, 80s work or early 90s work, like Animal Man, like Doom Patrol, uh, The Invisibles, you know, like part of that whole British invasion thing. Like, you know, that was some pretty stellar, but like psychedelic and yeah and it was stuff. very odd stuff i mean you were coming off of you know marvel's real strange like doctor strange and like uh shield stuff like steve ditko and all that and all the craziness um but yeah judge dread is super freaking weird if you haven't actually read judge dread guys it's really it is really weird. And uh, last last bit of news, the Killing Joke first official trailer came out. Nick, you have not yet watched it. Uh, I watched it. Seems interesting, though a lot of people commented that they were not impressed with the animation. And whether uh, there's something there that can be fixed, or maybe like they slowed some stuff down for the trailer. Uh, we'll see. But it did feel like a little bit like the excitement was uh, was waning a was little. Was blunted a bit. It was a little bit for this uh, for this storyline. It, I mean, it, it will be R rated, which we'll see how that goes. Hmm. My... Uh, I mean, I, I'm looking at like an image shot of like Batman holding the Joker's, you know, la lapels, labels, whatever. Lapel. Lapels. I always do that. Um, mispronounce things. Yes. Um, I mean, the animation certainly doesn't fit Yeah, it, it, the yeah. aesthetic of the book. And I guess they had probably tried the original art style and found that they couldn't really get a good mix. So, I don't know. My dog just came over and sat by me. My dog's been in the room the whole time. She's been very well behaved. Very good, Topanga. Don't say my dog's name. Very good, dog. That's better. Uh, that about wraps it up for the news. I feel like there was some other stuff, but I can't remember uh, what it was. So it must not have been important. Nope. All right, I actually have the trailer up right now, and I don't know. There's something about the animation I like. Okay, very cool. I, I, I was not as... Um, uh, disappointed with it as other people seem to have been. I don't think my h hopes are up as high as a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, internet. like I liked the Killing Joke, but I and and I understand its importance and all that, blah blah blah. But at the same time, I'm not like, um, 
I'm not just like I don't put it on a pedestal, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For there's going to be some extra stuff. There's a scene that shows Batgirl fighting, and I don't think Batgirl shows up at all in the the comic. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, I mean, I will be curious. I mean, the book, the storyline's not very long. No, so there's it's not. There's probably some room in like the hour and a half they typically make these movies to do some uh, interesting things. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. That's all I got. Very cool. That will then bring us uh, to the end of the news. And of course, a very important question that we have to ask ourselves uh, every single week, Nick. You boys aren't nerds, are you? Oh, we are. We are. But it's okay. It's okay. Now we're going to be nerds and we're going to recommend nerdy stuff to you. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Recommendations. Um, Dave, what would you recommend? Nope, you can't pull this on me. You started talking first. Fine. I recommend Peter David's Captain Marvel run. I've been reading through it lately. I think it's great. Can't tell you how it ends just yet. But he actually got to work on Captain Marvel in two separate series. Oh, wait. You're saying Peter David wrote Carol Danvers? Well, no, he did not. He wrote Genisvel, the son of Marvel, the original Captain Marvel. My head hurts. Yes. Would you like me to go into Genisvel's origins? No, I'll start crying. Okay. Anyway, it's about him. This is during a point where... Um, uh, I think this is actually all f coming out of Avengers Forever, which I have yet to finish. Um, and basically, uh, Janice Fell is, uh, is using the Nega Bands, uh, and when he smashes them together, he switches places with Rick Jones. So it's kind of like a Shazam type situation almost. Shazam. Shazam. Um, and, uh, you know, they fight crimes, cosmic awareness. Alien shenanigans, and uh, it's good. You can check it out on the Marvel Unlimited app. It might be hard to pick up all the issues. Um, whoa, whoa, but... whoa. They fight crime? What a novel idea. I know. I mean, cosmic crime. Um, but that's basically it. It's, it's so far so good. I think if you like uh, Peter David... If you like cosmic stories of the Marvel variety, you would enjoy it. Oh, here's a uh, so sorry. Uh, here's a news story that we did not talk about. Uh, that is actually, I feel like, pretty important, and that is that Inhumans has been taken off of Marvel Studios' release schedule for now. Look, man, it's officially been pulled. Been, it's been removed to decide when they're going to want to put it out. It didn't make, I mean, when I think with the subject matter, like that's a paradigm shift kind of movie given the subject matter. And I feel like if they're going to put it out, it's better to put it out once all this infinity war shenanigans is taken care of. See, and I know you're like, you're not like on the idea that, Oh, like agents, agents of shield <laughs> fifth time, uh, the agents of shield will have soured the movie, but they have dipped really heavily in, uh, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. into the Inhuman stuff in the second and third season that I wouldn't be surprised 
if they were like, well, we've created a really difficult barrier of entry now to bring in, like, I understand they could, they have stuff they want to do with the royal family, but it would be hard to not have it be Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the movie. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel TV show, the movie. The podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, like, if it doesn't come to fruition, I feel like, well, but I also feel like Kevin Feige just said, like, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Like, yeah. he's come out and said that. Yeah, and I know, like, you know, you can't do Medusa on a TV show budget. Uh, you could do Black Bolt on a TV show budget. That'd be pretty easy. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think, I really think, like, they have so many ducks in the row. It's not like Marvel's going to stop making superhero movies after Infinity War. I'm pretty no. sure there's, there's still they've, they've... some movies cat going on after Infinity War. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's just sort of like they're taking it off the table, but they're looking for a time and place in order to fit it in. And I mean, I, I think it'd either be a great way to launch phase four. It'd be phase four, right? Post infinity war. Yeah. That's kind of hard to tell because, uh, Ant-Man was actually the official end of phase two. Phase two. So I think infinity war is the end of phase three. Uh, so infinity war, Part two yeah. is May 3rd, uh, 2019, and there is Untitled Marvel Studios film, Untitled Marvel Studios film, slated for 2020. But Black Panther and Captain Marvel both come out before Infinity War? Captain Marvel is uh, March 8th, 2019, way to go there, uh, Marvel, and 20, February 16th, 2018 is Black Panther. Okay. And wait, when does Infinity War Part 1 come out? 2018? That is May 4th, 2018. And then so jump... it goes Infinity War Part 1, Black Panther, Captain nope. Marvel, Infinity Nope. It goes Black Panther, yeah. Avengers Infinity War Part 1, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, and then Avengers Infinity War Part 2. Wow. I, I'm pretty sure all the... pretty sure Black Panther, Captain Marvel, and... Ant-Man the Wasp will be in Infinity War, so it'll be interesting how they work out that shooting schedule. Uh, they're filming Avengers Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2 back-to-back. They are, and I know that, you know, they can just spend some more time doing post-production for a year, but I'm just saying, but I mean, that's still, like, I, they... No, like, they're already filming it now. Not, I mean, like some pre-production stuff. I don't think they're actually filming scenes. No, for they it. they talked about uh, the Rousseau brothers talked about how as soon as Civil War was done, they were pretty much going to lead right into the Infinity War filming. Infinity War filming is like a loose way of saying like we're like ramping up production on it. First one comes out in twenty eighteen, right? So twenty seventeen. I mean, even if they're filming two movies back to back, like I could see them starting actual principal photography at like the end of the year. I mean, Marvel's pretty, or DC's already pretty far ahead on their filming. On Wonder Woman, <laughs> not on like Cyborg or The Flash or anything. Uh, just, just started Justice League, which comes out next year. Yeah. If anyone and... comes out, part one comes out in 2018. Yeah, but Marvel just finished filming uh, Doctor Strange I, a week ago, and that comes out this year. So. What do we really know about Hollywood filming and release schedules? So they get I'm it asking. done when they get it done. 
Anyway, that's the last bit of news that I wanted to throw uh, in here as we are winding down. As far as my recommendation goes, I have been watching so much freaking Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood that I have not been reading comics, like, at all. And that is super weird to be, like, into an anime again in my late 20s. There's nothing exclusive of anime about your, about the youth. It's made for teenagers primarily. Comic books were made for children. Back in like the Superhero 60s. comic books were made for children. Like back then. Yeah. But like, like anime is still set, it's still like about like 15 and 16 year olds and like takes place in high schools and stuff. Some anime, most, David. Most There's anime. anime sure. There's plenty of mature adult anime out there. Name me some that are not Cowboy Bebop. Berserk. Is that all you got? Samurai Shampoo. <laughs> That's all you got. You're not going to throw at me Fist of the North Star? You're not gonna... Fist of the North Star, yes. Which I'm so pretty you, sure... you're already naming it. I'm pretty sure Fist of the North Star uh, is also probably... Spriggan? Aimed towards kids. Spriggan is not aimed towards kids. But what I'm saying... It's, the only thing about the difference between anime and like American animation is that anime is made by a Jap- Japanese productions. It, I mean, and also it's, you know, the storylines are often a lot crazier. Crazier. It's a, a different, you know, culture of Which, storytelling. Well, but Evangelion? I, well, no, you know, Evangelion takes place high school students, high school... Well, yes, but it's, I mean, you, things can take place with high school students still be mature subjects. Well, I know. It's it's just, uh, cause like, also because that part of my life, you know, feels like so far behind me. And now, like, I'm, I, like, I haven't really watched an anime in forever. And now I'm, I'm like, I'm not disparaging it. I'm really enjoying it. It's, like, really heavy at times and very dramatic. And, uh... I, I appreciate that there are stories that they will tell in anime that they're not going to tell on like an American television show. You know, they're like going to take some really crazy risks and do some really crazy weird stuff. And I, I think that's fun and great. Uh, so because I've been so wrapped up in that, I am not going to recommend it because I'm not Nick, but I will say if you have a Netflix sub- subscription and you want to check out a pretty cool storyline with some pretty good action, uh, that's, that's available to you. But I'm not going to officially recommend it on this show. <laughs> if you walk into it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what was your recommendation again? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. All right, I just want to make sure we... Ghost uh... in the Shell. <sighs> Attack on Titan. Ghost Attack on Titans. About teenagers. Yes, and it's very adult. Again, teen, uh, teen, uh, just because it's, but with, it's okay, based okay. with teens doesn't mean it's made for teens. Uh, it, yes, it still is. That, okay, you know why it's, it takes place with teens? Why do young adult novels uh, usually star people who are 16 or 17? Because that's the crowd that they want to read it, even though like Hunger Games is really messed up. like If the main cast is teenagers, it's probably because it's supposed to be... Uh, Read by teenagers. And, ooh, am I seeing uh, Space Brothers? Yeah, Space Brothers is the freaking best. What's it about? It's about uh, these two guys. One is an astronaut. One wants to become an astronaut. And he's like, it's always been his dream. But he's like in his like 30s or late 20s. And he uh, starts to go through uh, training for it. It's really good. Um, is it on Netflix? 
No, I've, I, I haven't finished it. Uh, I really love that. All right, we're going through some like really mature ones here. Number four is Puella Magi Madica Magica, uh, which is about... Because you just pronounced that correctly. It's about magic girls, which is a super weird thing to say. That is one of the most messed up, like, dark shows I have ever seen. It is super freaking good. But it is... Pula Magi Madoka Magica? Yeah, but it it is impossible to recommend to people. Because, like, if you start to go into, like, what it's about, it's super weird. But it's really, actually good and uh, really dark. Hmm. I'll, I'll tell you about it off the air. Anyway, uh, I don't have a recommendation this week. So that is going to do it for us. If you enjoyed the show, then please go ahead and write in and let us know uh, that you enjoy it. Or what you're reading, what you thought about anything that we said. If you thought we were wrong, please correct us. But you can send all of that to heckyeahcomics at gmail.com you can find more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com and follow us on twitter at heckyeahcomics all one word obviously you can find me david on twitter at davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z and you can find nick uh as always If you enjoyed the show, then please do tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please do tell your enemies. Until next time. Goodbye. Ever.